I think we're going to see uh, Governor Hochul put a lot of unrelated policy items into the budget. Hi there, it's WAMC News Director Ian Pickus. And on this episode of the WAMC News Podcast, we preview New York Governor Kathy Hochul's budget address on Wednesday, our latest conversation with Capitol Correspondent Karen DeWitt. Well, by Albany standards, it's been a rocky start to the New York State Legislative Session, with Governor Hochul's pick for chief judge rejected by the Senate Judiciary Committee and ongoing disagreement about how to approach public safety. Hochul delivers her state budget plan this week, accelerating the horse trading that has long defined the sprint to the new fiscal year that starts April 1st. Okay, here's my latest conversation with Karen DeWitt. Hey, Ian. Well, it's been a few weeks since uh, we spoke last and the session got going. Where do things stand today? Well, uh, we're getting ready to uh, hear Governor Hochul's budget address on Wednesday. And that's, you know, one of the big events of the year, um, partly because this is the time of the year where the governor has a lot more leverage over the legislature to get um, her uh, items passed. She can put policy items in and kind of force the legislature to pass policy items that they might not want to otherwise, you know, and say, well, if you want this in the budget, if you want this for your district, if you, you know, don't want the budget to be late, then you better agree to uh, these things. And so I think we're going to see uh, Governor Hochul put a lot of unrelated policy items into the budget, and that's what we'll be looking for. We already know about some of her proposals that will be in there that probably won't be that controversial. Um, Hochul's a Democrat, the Democratic-led legislature, and one is to uh, create 800,000 new housing units over the next several years, to spend a billion dollars more on uh, the really neglected mental health care system in New York State by putting in more inpatient beds, more community-based treatment, um, more money for childcare. Um, a lot of these things probably can be agreed on, but there's probably some things that she's already said she's going to do, including that very uh, lightning rod uh, uh, law, the 2019 bail reform laws, that she wants to revise them yet again. And um, the legislative leaders are, are, are have always been resistant to that, and they're still pretty resistant to that. Yeah, it's such an interesting dynamic, Karen, because you've got the governor and then minority Republicans more or less in agreement about changing those laws. Meantime, the Democratic Assembly Speaker and Senate leader uh, have not signaled any interest in changing it. That's right. Well, uh, the governor just went through an election that should have been not as close as it was. It was a very close election. And her Republican opponent, Lee Zeldin, made a big deal about crime and the bail reform laws. And so I think that she wants to, you know, look like she's actually, you know, acting to respond to that because it wasn't just Republicans that were concerned about that. A lot of independents, a lot of uh, suburban uh, voters are, you know, worried about crime. So she wants to show that that she has concern about it. What she wants to do is change the law so that uh, judges have more discretion setting bail in more serious crimes. The bail reform laws got rid of most forms of cash bail for nonviolent crimes and misdemeanors, um, but there's always been kind of a question, I think even judges have some questions about, well, when can we set bail? There's a lot of rules and because of some revisions they did last year, now a lot of the rules conflict. And she's trying one more time to make it more clear and say, look, if it's a serious crime, 
then you know the judges can decide to set bail even though the, the prior law maybe you know suggested that they shouldn't set bail. So I, I don't know. I don't know if she's just muddying the waters more, but she's certainly trying because there is a problem. Everybody seems to, most people seem to agree there's a problem with a small group of criminals who are repeat offenders and who are taking advantage of some of these criminal justice reforms. And so she's trying to hone in on those people, the real criminals, without punishing, you know, some person who doesn't have money, creates, a, you know, commits or is accused of committing a minor crime. And then the bail is set so high that they end up sitting in jail for a year for something that they might not have done. And that was the original, uh, you know, intention of the bail reform laws. And we should say uh, the leaders, the Democratic leaders have said it's really too soon to know if the reforms from 2019 uh, have worked at all. There's a legislative hearing happening as we speak where they're supposed to get more data on the bail reform laws. But my question is, with a deadline of April 1st for potential changes, will there be enough data to get an on-time budget and add that to the conversation about what Governor Hochul might want to include in the spending package outside of the budget? Well, I know, that's right. We have had some data, but then everybody disagrees about what the data means. So almost like, you know, again, in many of our arguments, political arguments, now the facts. But yeah, the governor has leverage in the budget. Last year, she held up the budget for several days. I think it might have been nine days. Nine days, right. Because she wanted the bail reform changes and eventually the legislature caved. So I think that is what she's hoping for now. I don't think she's going to get immediate agreement from them. We've already had indications that she won't. Uh, But the question is, what is she going to need to trade for that? And that's going to play out over the next couple of months. Well, what kind of leverage does she have? Obviously, she's started a new four-year term. She has been duly elected. Um, I know the latest Siena College poll showed pretty wide support for the agenda she outlined in the state of the state. Um, Does she have a a cudgel here to use? Um, Yeah, if she wanted to, she could submit the budget to the legislature with all her policy things in it and say, take it or leave it. If you don't pass it, we shut down the state. We walk away and you're to blame. And uh, that has not been used, um, but it's certainly been a threat in the background as early as um, during the the tenure of Governor David Patterson and certainly Governor Andrew Cuomo in his first years, you know, would you know, would mention it and, you know, make it clear that that is something that he might do. So the governor does have the power to do that. You know, other times of the year, the end of the session, you know, other other uh, months, they don't really have that power. But this is the one time that the governors do have that power. And, um, you know, the the legislature, I think, in the end, usually, you know, usually has to has to submit to at least some things that they don't want to do. Well, let's bring into the conversation now the status of Judge Hector LaSalle, Hochul's pick for chief judge. This really adds an interesting dynamic to the budget talks because, this will be wrapped up uh, presumably in those conversations over the next couple of months. Yeah, it's super fascinating to political insiders, maybe not so much to the general public, mostly because no one can really figure out what Governor Hochul's strategy is here. Um, She nominated Judge Hector LaSalle. Um, He's the head of a mid-level appeals court. Um, The Senate has to confirm the nomination. A number of um, progressive Democrats in the Senate felt that some of his opinions indicated he might be 
to conservative. They say the Court of Appeals has been, you know, leaning conservative for several years. They want, you know, that trend to end. They signaled that to the governor last summer. Nevertheless, the governor decided she liked Hector LaSalle the best, who by, you know, many accounts seems like a good moderate judge, but, you know, there's no such thing as moderation in politics these days. So your your uh, opinions get get twisted around. But anyway, the Judiciary Committee uh, in the Senate, uh, they had a five-hour hearing. Seems, sounded like a pretty fair hearing. I listened to all of it. Um, they voted him down. Two voted for him, 10 against, and seven, you know, voted without recommendation to advance his name. So clearly he does not have the support. Um, the governor has said, you know, that's not good enough. Advice and consent means the full Senate has to vote. Senate Leader Andrea Stewart-Cousin says, no, everything in the Senate goes through the committee. And if the committee rejects something, it doesn't go through. Um, and Hochul, you know, keeps saying that she's going to do something about it. She might sue, but she hasn't decided yet um, what to do. And that has just drawn out this narrative and not really to the governor's benefit for weeks and weeks. And it just, it seems, you know, we're just, I, I feel like I'm kind of perplexed as to why she's doing this. Does she have a larger plan? Is she just mad because she thinks that this is a good judge and, you know, she doesn't want to give in? I mean, I guess part of the contrast for me is covering both of the, the Cuomo's, Mario and Andrew Cuomo, and George Pataki, who had three terms, the Republican governor. They always had a long-term strategy with where they were going with certain things. It might not always be apparent, but it would be over time. And Hochul seems more like uh, Governor David Patterson and even before him, his predecessor, the, the short-lived Governor Elliot Spitzer, where they would kind of just put their foot down on something and they didn't really care about like the political implications. If they thought it was right, you know, you really couldn't convince them otherwise. Of course, it's too early to make any assessment of what kind of governor um, Kathy Hochul will be. But it's just it's just interesting to observe this and see the contrast, certainly with her predecessor, former Governor Andrew Cuomo. Yeah. Well, let me ask you a question that I know you don't have the answer to. But Hochul says the LaSalle nomination, although it failed in the Senate Judiciary Committee, ought to go to the full Senate. Um, and she's hinted, as you say, uh, about suing to pursue that end. The Senate leader, Andrea Stewart-Cousins, says that would be an end run and uh, a real almost constitutional crisis calling into question the separation of powers between the branches. And from her perspective, you know, the committee uh, with majority Democrats that's her party, has rejected the nomination. So it's hard for me to understand why she would bring that to a full Senate vote and ignore the committee's advice. I know Judge Lippman told you that he thinks Hochul's right, but who is right? Well, that's for the courts to decide. Actually, the Court of Appeals is probably going to have to decide it because I'm not sure what other venue it would go to. And, and yeah, you bring up a good point, Ian. Even if um, Hochul were to win in court, goes before the full Senate, there's no guarantee that LaSalle would win confirmation. I mean, the Republicans who are in the minority have said, you know, they sympathize with Hochul's plight. They think LaSalle is a good judge, but would they put their you know, names on the line and their political futures on the line to side with Hochul on a vote that then uh, somebody could go come and primary them about say that, oh, they're too close to this democratic governor. So I don't know if they'd go as far as to actually vote for LaSalle on the floor. So that's what I mean about it being kind of perplexing what does Hochul win in this? 
If she wins in court, then yes, I was right. It should be the full Senate. She sets precedent. But it just, you know, plays out this narrative, plays out tensions with the legislature, particularly with the Senate, at a time when she really needs them to, you know, help her get her budget together. It's so interesting. I, I wonder what you make of it, you know, mentioning the Cuomos. Um, former Governor Andrew Cuomo, of course, was happy to go to war with one or both houses of the legislature when he needed to. Uh, Governor Kathy Hochul has really positioned herself as a different kind of leader, a bridge builder. Um, she goes out of her way to talk about the other leaders as being friends. Where does this uh, standoff, as we speak, leave her relationship with Senate leader Stuart Cousins right now? Uh, well, it's hard to say. Can they put this aside and, and work together? Certainly from my sources, the senator is kind of perplexed about this, wondering why she's doing this, why she's picking this fight. But certainly, you know, I don't know if they're, they're still friends, but I think it does, you know, put attention into, into the relationship that, you know, maybe wasn't there last year when they were all kind of working together you know, to make, to kind of pick up the pieces after Andrew Cuomo had to resign in disgrace and to just keep going and to, you know, lose as few seats as possible and win as many seats as possible in the you know, 2022 elections. They were all united on that. And now, now you see where the cracks are. I mean, I guess really the larger issue is, is Hochul is more of a moderate Democrat. Um, she doesn't, she is not getting along right now with the progressive Democrats over this judge fight. And that is gonna be where the tensions lie in the budget. They all hung together for a year, but now you know many of the, the policy um, cracks are showing. Lastly, Karen, what will you be watching closely for on Wednesday with the budget address? Well, I guess I would say, you know, with past governors, I'd always try to look through and see some kind of hidden thing that they're trying to put in and, and hide. I guess I'd be looking for that, you know, trying to like, you know, spend the day as quickly as possible, looking through the fine print, seeing if there's anything that's missed. Also, just seeing how the governor reaches out to the legislature. We know where the venue is. It's going to be the kind of small ceremonial office room in the Capitol where she's going to give her presentation. That doesn't leave room for all the, you know, 212 uh, legislators to attend so her kind of not speaking directly to them, is that sending a message? So I guess I want to see how that dynamic plays out. Okay, well, it's uh, the next gear for the legislative session in Albany, and our Capitol correspondent, Karen DeWitt, will be watching it all and reporting on it for us. Uh, Karen, thanks as always for taking the time and your insights, and uh, we'll keep April 1st on the horizon. You're very welcome. Might be a little past April 1st. All right, that does it for this episode of the WAMC News Podcast. Thanks so much for listening. Until next time, I'm Ian Pickus.